Equipping for Life podcast by Pastor Tony Paolo. Listen as Pastor Tony provides tactical tools to overcome obstacles in your everyday life. Now, turn to your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4. Today, I'm going to teach you how to live with eternity in mind. I notice I've been giving you tools over the last several months. I've been, I want to give you tools how to live with eternity in mind. And James, using this uh, text in the book of James chapter 4, verse 13, is going to help us get that and understand this. Okay, all the preachers in the house, I want you to listen. Scholars and students, I want you to listen. This is what James says. Now listen. This is a rebuke. When you want to get somebody's attention that they're doing the wrong thing, what do you usually say? Mira. What else? Oye, oye. What else? Don't, you don't listen. What's wrong with you? Hey. What else? Cut it out. Come on. Yo. What's the matter for you? So in the original Greek, it says, what's the matter for you? It was like a strong, it was like, you ever confront somebody? This was that confrontation. They were doing the wrong thing. He was writing to Christians. Yo, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. That's it. That's all you are is that mist you see from a tea kettle. As soon as you shut it down, it goes away. That is it. Instead, you should say our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. That means you can't live for yourself. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Underline that word, schemes. That word hit me. Okay? All such boasting is evil. James begins this verse with just like a sudden jolt. And the only, the only other place in the New Testament that has this kind of language in the form of rebuke is James chapter 5, verse 1. It's like, what is wrong with you? I know, you know, it's not really a nice thing to say, but sometimes you want to say, what is wrong with you? Like, what are you thinking? And this strong group of this group of people were self-confident and self-reliant. They were Christians. They were followers of Jesus, but they were completely disregarding where God fit into their lives. It's, they, you know what? They were busy. Isn't it easy to become busy? And I've always said, I don't want to be known as that guy. Hey, how are you doing? I'm so busy. 
Hey, how you doing? I'm so busy. Hey, how you doing? I'm so tired. Do you want your life to be characterized as, I'm so busy, I'm so tired? But here, they were so busy. His readers were Christians who, and, and interesting enough, because when you look at the book of James, who was the book of James written to? The book of James was written to a group of Christians. That was it. No particular church. It was written to a group of Christians who were dispersed as a result of persecution. They scattered to other nations. Now, what, what really happened was they, they got too comfortable inside the salt shaker. And God was like, hey, it's time. What do you do to the salt shaker when you're trying to get salt out? Sorry. You're banging around. You jolt it in order to get the salt. That's what 2020 was for, to get the salt out of the salt shaker. They became comfortable in their little tiny town of Jerusalem, and they had their little churches, and they got happy. And God says, I'm going to allow persecution to come to scatter you so that you can get the world. Because the last thing Jesus says, into the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you're in your little nice house, and your little huts, and your little homes having church, evangelism is not going to take place. So he used persecution now to contextualize that commandment. But instead of now being scattered to evangelize, they scattered and they built their nice little homes. They had their nice little schedules. They had their nice little families. They had their nice little jobs, their nice little plans, their meetings, their kids. They took their kids to sports. Oh, let me get on that for a minute. Pastor Tony, I'm, and don't stop me because I'm going to do it anyway. If you're angry at me, you're going to be okay. You won't see me for six months because i got to take my boy to baseball. On Sunday mornings. Oh, you won't see my kid because, you know, he's playing, he's going to football for six months. Let me tell you something. Your kid's not going to be an NFL player. Did I make you, did that upset you a little bit? Good. It wasn't there a statistic. It was online, so it has to be true. There's a statistic that says 0.001% chance your kid's going to end up in, uh, famous in the baseball NFL leagues. But they will have a 100% chance that they're going to be in, standing in front of God when they die. So you got to set your life straight and your family straight. And don't be disappearing on me with your son to play NFL. And then come back to me and say, my son doesn't want to come to church. How to get that out. They, thank you. They, <laughs> they became led by their schedules rather than, they be, than, than their savior. They got busy. They fully immersed their lives without a God focus. And it was, this was, James was frustrated because what happened, notice that the other epistles were written to a church. This was just written to a group of people who had no church. This was just written to people that scattered from their hometown of Jerusalem, scattered into the uttermost parts of the earth, but didn't really fulfill their purpose. And they had this elevated sense of planning without even understanding eternity. And so the way James addresses them was like, hey, I'm trying to get your attention now. I'm going to hit at your presumption that you have an understanding of time and life when you really don't have an understanding of time and life. And they, it, I don't know if you know this, but in the Jewish culture, it was very unnatural to talk about times and the certainty of planning. 
But yet in this context, they were saying, we're going to do this. All future tense, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and one day I'm going to do this, and tomorrow I'm going to do that. So this Jewish culture, there was no sense of, hey, church is at nine. The whole sense of timing, first of all, and there are, there are cultures that also don't really dedicate or focus on time. I'm not going to pick anybody, Puerto Rico. But... There are countries, there are regions, Latin America, hello, Charles, all of Africa. When he was a board member, we'd have a board meeting at six. We had to tell him it was at five. <laughs> he got better when we had food. We'd be like, we got food. <laughs> so this culture wasn't the whole thing. We, church was at, and when we would go, go to Guatemala, I would ask, what time is the pastor's training in the morning? I just show up, just, you know, I'm like, is it 10, 11? Just, just show up. Because this wasn't about time. This was about when everyone was ready. It focused on community. It focused on family. It focused on every, every, when we lived in Ohio, we lived in an Amish area. And there was an Amish guy. His name was Jacob. Not joking. That was his name. And. And he, he made leather things. He made leather belts and leather purses and, and man bags and all that stuff. And so I would go and have leather belts made by him. And, and, and uh, what's that? No, oh, tool belt, right, for tools. And I says, when is it going to be ready? And he said, two sunsets and two sunrises. I'm like, Jacob, do I look Amish to you? So he goes, two sunsets and two. I'm like, okay, Monday, geez, Monday. Are you counting tonight? Are you counting tonight, sunset? We're so driven by time. And in this culture, that their focus was the journey. Their focus was family. Their focus was when everybody's ready. Their focus was fellowship. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, tomorrow at a certain time, we're going to do this. And making plans for a future that they were making, we're making plans for a future, but making decisions like we're amateurs. We're making, we're, we think that we're experts at the future. But in reality, we're just amateurs. How can anyone speak so definitively of time and life? How can you be so good? You got the winning formula? A winning formula and you're still unsurrendered to Christ is a dangerous path. They had the winning formula. All future tense. We will go. We will spend a year. We will do. We will. We will. Think about what you're saying. Think about how you're living your life apart from God. Oh, Pastor, I love God. I'm not questioning your love towards God. I'm questioning your focus. You're positioning yourself for earthly results with little evidence of heavenly fruit. There's no evidence in your life that there's any kind of fruit. There's results, but no fruit. How much of your life is actually connected to growing fruit? Think... I mean, you are, you are the extension. You are heaven's idea on this earth. The reason why you're alive is to broadcast the heart of God. You are heaven's Wi-Fi. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's you. That's you. So when you're distracted because you're so busy, remember back then, I don't know if they still do it. I, I, 50 years ago, they, it says in the, in the new century, we're going to be working 20 to 30 hours a week because of technology. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's beyond that. We're double that. And we're bragging and we're okay. Oh, I work hard. I got two jobs. I'm a hard worker. But you're forgetting the main thing here. And they spoke with authority over their own futures while ignorant of tomorrow. This is it. How do we make such strong plans for a future we know little about? Proverbs tells us that. Do not boast about tomorrow because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Man, we've made plans for a strong future, legacy, plans. And even financial, financial advisors are starting to use that phrase legacy. They weren't for, for a, they didn't. But they just started using that phrase legacy and attaching it to finances. Finances is not legacy. Real estate is not legacy. Stuff is not legacy. Lives are legacy. People are legacy. Fruit is legacy. We have developed a solid plan for our future. Let's focus on our 401k, but we have little regard for eternity. You ever get your social security statement in the mail? <laughs> I'm like, dear Jesus, shred it. Jehovah Jireh. I'm not relying on that. This is our social security will be running up, you know, by the time. He's like, okay, but God, God, you're my provider, Father. Now, preparing for the future and retirement and comfort and wealth and 401k, nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you have, you have all your regard for earthly systems and very little regard for heavenly systems. He says, what is your life? This is what James says. He says, you are just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In fact, in Psalm 90, verse 12, the writer of that chapter writes, teach us to number our days so we can gain wisdom. Now, we're not talking about breaking out the calendar and numbering our days. In the Hebrew, it talks about teach us that our life is brief. We are here for a moment. And that's why at the end of your life, you don't want to end your life with regrets. You want to end your life with reflections. This is it. James points to this organized, this, this organized condition. You are obviously drifting. I came to mind a couple of months ago. I started doing research on driftwood. I saw it. I was like, interesting. Driftwood is actually wood that's been seasoned with salt and bacteria and poison and toxins for over 100 years. It doesn't come from any particular tree. It just falls off of a tree that's near the ocean, and they classify it as driftwood when it falls to the ground and over 100 years absorbs all these toxic chemicals that if you were to absorb into your system, it can kill you. It absolutely has no purpose. It just drifts. I don't want to be driftwood. I want to have purpose. And you know why? The problem here is how do you lose your focus? Do you know why they lost their focus? How do you lose your focus? You lose your focus 
when you lose sight of your purpose. You lose your focus when you lose sight of your purpose. That was his cue. You got that? Right, yeah, yeah, see? I was like, good job, man. Come on, thank you, Andy. He's been doing this since 1988. Oh, 84, sorry. <laughs> he said, Don't say it. See, what's your purpose? We're trying to discover our purpose apart from God. When you include God in that, it's like, oh, I know my purpose right now. Well, what's your purpose today? Well, my purpose is when I go to the coffee shop and somebody's having a rough day, I say, let me pray with you. That's my purpose. We're trying to make it all magical like fireworks, but we're ignoring what's right behind, right in front of us. We're, we're, we're asking for the not yet, but have not gained the stewardship of it right now. You want, you want stewardship of the not yet, but you haven't harnessed stewardship for the right now. Be assigned to your purpose right now. I am not going to lose my focus. I will not lose sight of my purpose. And they were scattered. Why? For a purpose. To impact their world. Now that word, when we think about them being scattered, we think confusion, discouragement, doubt, loss, loss of, of courage. You're discouraged. You're afraid. But all that is is just shaking up the salt shaker. When 2020 happened, I don't want to brag on the staff, but did we panic? We were like, woo, let's go. We had to go. This is fun. People panicked, but we're like, and I've always said, if the aliens or the Russians were to come or the zombies were to come and shut down our church, we would still have church. It wasn't the aliens, it wasn't the zombies, and it wasn't the Russians. It was COVID. And we still had church. It didn't change anything. All it did for us was get us out of the salt shaker. That's our purpose. The purpose doesn't change. The purpose remains the same. And the problem is, is during this scattering, their loss of, they were confused, they were discouraged, they were down. So in, their, in all that scattering, they attempted to regain control by building homes and saying, we're just going to settle in and adapt to our culture. And the whole concept of regaining, of having control, isn't even a God concept. I'm trying to regain control of my life, Pastor Tony. Well, that's the problem. You're trying to stick rudders on things you're trying to control. It's not even a God concept. And then James says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So I said, hmm, schemes. You know who else is accused of scheming? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Watch out for the schemes. Of the devil. Scheming. I mean, back in Brooklyn, we used to, we used to use the phrase, oh, why are you scheming? Yo, why are you scheming, dog? You're full of, he's, uh, don't trust him, he's full of schemes. Schemes is a godless form of ver a version of planning. I'm going to plan something, not include God, but that is not a plan, it's a plot. And the New Testament does, there's not one 
passage in the New Testament that paints scheming in a positive light. <laughs> and it's always assigned to the devil or to this group of people. In fact, the word scheme means a secret or underhanded plan of action or a plot. An elaborate and systematic plan for a course of action designed to achieve a major or overall aim. That's Greek. Now in the Latin, it means to change the shape, the figure, or form of an outcome as opposed to reality. So literally, in the Latin, it's to change the outside of something. So when you're plotting, you're planning without God, you're not changing the root. You're trying to change the outside. And you're creating rotten fruit, but it's not about the fruit, it's about the root. The plans of God reach the root. Scheming just tries to change and tries to shine up the apple. You ever get those apples? They got a nice, they got a, it's all nice and shiny. All that toxic wax on it. On the outside, Jesus said to the Pharisees, on the outside, that cup is clean, but on the inside, that cup is dirty. Scheming. And the Greek focuses on, there's an error in your organizing. There's flaws in your planning. There's falsity in your systems. That's scheming. If you are planning without God, you are filled with schemes. And there's a direct flaw happening. They're sideways, drifting. It's clear. 1 Peter 5.8 Remain alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That is scheming. The devil is really good at scheming. Greek, schema. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11, schema. James chapter 4 verse, verse 16, schema. The devil is scheming. James says, stop your underhanded crafty cunning work it's not of God so I have some questions for you as far as how to realign your life Christians now these are people that love Jesus with all their heart life becomes overwhelming because you lose focus but how do you realign your life now question number one are you involved in ministry that you have the opportunity to tell someone else about Jesus. It's not about this so much as about this. It's not about your lips, it's about your life. Every day. Every day, let somebody go, that person is odd. And then when they find out that you have a love of Jesus, and when they find out that the answer for your peace is a relationship with God, that's your purpose. Is there evidence in your life that Jesus is alive? And you know, sometimes we th ask, I, I think about that question, I go, well, you know, I try for the most part. No, it's you're not, you're not, this feed doesn't come from me. This feed comes from heaven. So we need to stop. Well, I try. You know, sometimes I don't get it right. I, I, sometimes I have a bad day. All of that needs to cease. This is about every day living out the reality that Jesus is alive. 
do you begin your days with a God awareness? Thinking about God. Is it too much to think about God 10 times a day? Everything's a blessing. Everything's a miracle. We've conditioned ourselves as we say, God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this blessing. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the sunshine. God, thank you. Thank God for everything. You have, you've become driftwood. You've fallen off of a tree. You've allowed the toxins of the world around you to enter your soul. And now you're just out there. How do we get back on track? Having a God awareness. Every decision you make, filter it through a God eternity. Filter it through a God reality, God initiative, God provision. How can God be glorified? It's 12, 12. Look at your watch right now. What time is it? 12.21. You must have an Android. Sorry, Ty. Sorry, Ty. But there's one good thing about the, I can't think about the end, but never. It's 1222. How can my life advertise the, the ideas of heaven from this point forward? Everywhere you go, this is a life of process. This is a life of growth. This is a life of sanctification. Your life of sanctification and growth begins now. Don't lose your purpose. Don't lose sight of your assignment. Everywhere you go. Proverbs 16.3 says it this way. This is classic. And probably the most liberating verses for me. Commit to the Lord everything you do. Think about it. Think about it. So let's forget, let's forget surrendering your heart and all that stuff. And just say, surrender your plans to the Lord. Okay, God, this is what I want to do. And then it says, and then he will make your plans succeed. You know how many business people that are unsaved? You know how many atheists I've said? You know how many business people I've said? Man, you're doing incredible things, man. Fetty, coffee connection. I'm like, Fetty, man, you are gifted. Give everything you're doing to the Lord and ask him to bless it. That's what that says. And then he will make your plan succeed. So, I want, let's go deeper. Of course, we got to go a little deeper than what it says here. Surrender deeds is a surrendered life. Because when you begin to see that, you go from results to fruit. You go from the cash register to lives. You go from surrender deeds now begin to leading to fruitful living. Wow, God, this works. I'm all in. So whatever it is that you're doing, see, we have this mindset where uh, I'm going to surrender my life to God and God is just going to take my brain out and turn me into a different person and I'm going to be a robot. He uses you for you. He cuts away all those things that don't matter. And you begin to see things happen in your life. This is not a secret. This is what it means to live in terms of eternity. The best way, actually, Pastor Mike, the only way your life is going to be fruitful 
if it's aligned to truth. Open your heart. Talking to Christians, open your heart to the ways of the Lord. Whatever you're doing, focus. Stop what you're doing for a moment. And what begins to happen is when you align yourself with the purposes of heaven, instead of saying, God, I'm not sure if these deeds are from you. Jesus, I need to focus. I need to figure out if this is you, if this is me, or if this is my flesh, or if this is the devil, or if this is the world, this is my mom. Jesus, please help me understand. You begin living in the will of God. And I'm almost a ner little nervous to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Get to a point where everything you do is the will of God. But God will never ever have to say to you, no, stop. What are you doing? Because now you're living surrendered. A surrendered life leads to fruitful living. Now you're a full advertisement of heaven. A full advertisement. High definition of what heaven looks like on this earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So gone are the days where I'm not sure if this is the Lord. Scripturally, the Bible is clear. If we focus on the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Who put those desires there, TJ? He grants you those desires. He plants them, then grants them. When he plants it, then grants it. Heaven is featured here on earth. And that's, that's the word of the Lord. Jesus' name. Father, we just take a moment right now. God, we are so filled with dreams, ideas, and plans. Good. God, we are, some of us are busy. Some people here have two jobs. And the only thing I'm going to say about that. is this make room for God to come in and provide supernaturally because if you have two jobs two and a half jobs and you're paying the bills that's great but you're not getting the revelation of Jehovah Jireh you have and I'm going to be bold to say this you have the influence and the power right now to say, I could be effective, but not busy. Busy is results. Effective is fruit. Stop being, what do they call it, a busy bee? Busy bees don't create honey. Did you know that? Busy bees just like they buzz around. They look like they're pretty. They don't, they're just making noise. Shalom. Shalom peace open up the door just a little bit take a step back from trying to get from the ground that's cursed something you can only get from heaven and leave a little open space for God to supernaturally invade your life stop listen now I'm trying to get your attention you're stressed you're busy you're overwhelmed doesn't have to be doesn't have to be let's reset our lives now is there evidence in your life that Jesus is alive 
would you be considered if somebody were to watch your life as a trailer? Would you be considered a trailer of heaven? Take a step back from all, everything that's, and today's a good day, right? I said I would end at 12.30, but I want to get this point across to you. Because this is urgent. Kingdom-minded. Live in light of eternity. You look at the palos, you're like, man, they're always happy. No. We remain purposeful. We know how to say yes. And we know how to say no. Even if it has Jesus written on it, that doesn't match what God wants to do in our lives right now. And if you're married, even more important, make sure the two of you have the same normals. Make sure when you're going to marry someone, right, Binta, that that guy, and we'll check him out. We'll do the background check, right, guys? Bring him here. Let us know. It's a service we provide for free. All the single ladies, listen. Single ladies, it's a service that we provide for free, right? We don't charge anything. Bring them to church and just kind of give us the look. Be like, we'll bring them to my office downstairs. Right, Joe? Right, Dave? Talk to them. Just what are you going to talk to them? I want to make sure they have the same normals, man. Stop being so busy. You're stressed. That's why your neck hurts. That's why you have arthritis. That's why you have migraines. That's why you have back pains. That's why you can't sleep because you are overwhelmed. Stop being busy and be effective. When you're busy, sometimes it just, it seems like you're doing something, but you just driftwood. But when you're fruitful and effective, it always points to what God matters. Every morning you say, God, I want my life to count today. Psalm 90, verse 12. Number my days. Today's Sunday. Boom. Just talk about Sunday, Jerry, right now. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, how do you want my life to count, Father? Today. Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to impact? Today. Just one person. That's your purpose. Everything else centers around that. So, Lord, we receive that mantle as we continue to also plant campuses and churches. We receive that mantle, and the only burden that we carry that's not going to be overwhelming is your burden. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is important. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to make sure that you know Jesus and you have him in your life. If that's you, I want you to do me a favor. We're all going to pray this prayer. And we're going to pray this prayer, inviting Christ into our lives and surrendering our lives. And we'll all pray this prayer together. And this prayer sounds like this. If everyone can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want you to be my Savior. I give my life to you. I surrender. Forgive me of my sins and make my heart clean. In Jesus' name.